Hey there, everyone. Welcome to episode five of the main episodes, uh, the the main shows proper of the Dark Parade. Thanks very much for all the feedback. Thanks for listening to all the episodes in our Psycho series. Uh, I thought that was all a tremendous amount of fun. I learned a lot about those movies. Uh, as I do doing this show, that's one of the things I like about it is, uh, you know, I say it kind of as a, a joke in some of these episodes, but only half-jokingly, that I hope you exit these episodes a little smarter than when you entered them uh, in regards to the movies that we're talking about. And so for the second series of movies, I wanted to do something that was a little more fun, a little less heady. Not that, you know, Psycho 3 and 4 are necessarily the most complicated of movies, but uh, I would say that the, the series in front of us is even less complicated, and I'm talking about the Night of the Demon series. And there are three films in the uh, initial series, and then there is a remake. We're going to be covering all four of those with a, a variety of hosts. And the first one up is uh, my friend Mark Ball, who I've worked with a bunch on the summer series. You'll hear us talk about this, but we never got an opportunity to work together just mono e mono before, and uh, very much wanted to. So uh, there we go. We are doing the first Night of the Demons. We've got other hosts on the uh on the other episode so i think you'll enjoy it i know i have it's been a, a great deal of fun and i have a weird sort of reverence for these movies um maybe because of the time in which i saw them uh they are not necessarily i mean they're b movies to be sure but i don't know there's something a little special about these and and i think as we talk about them i think we start to get to the bottom of what it is about these movies that put them you know a little bit uh, a few notches above uh, some of the other movies of this type that came out around the same period. And it isn't just Linnea Quigley bent over uh, in a grocery store. So anyway, thanks again for listening. Uh, I'll be back on the the back end of this conversation. So uh, enjoy Night of the Demons with Mark Ball. And welcome, as always, to The Dark Parade. All right, so Night of the Demons. Let's let's get into it. With me to discuss the first of the Night of the Demons films is one Marcus Ball. I don't even know that's. I don't think it's really Marcus. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it actually isn't. I get asked that a lot. If it, usually if it's spelled with a K like mine is, it's just Mark, and if it's with a C, it's Marcus. But yep, just, just the Mark. I just like extra syllables. That's all. You and a lot of other people, evidently, which I'm totally okay with. I've been called much worse things, believe me. Marcus Ballas, his Roman name. <laughs> <laughs> but first of all, thanks for doing this. And, and second of all, uh, we'll, we'll do this a little more on the back end. But uh, tell the people where you're from. What are your bona fides other than having been podcasting for, what, 30, 40 years now? Oh, God, it feels like 100. <laughs> no, I've, I've, been at, I've been at this, uh, like pretty close to a decade like kind of on and off uh, but i i kind of got my start well i did my own show that was really really bad like about 10 years ago but uh then i kind of hooked up with the the deviants over on the midnight horror show and was with them on and off for i mean that show's come and gone so many times like it's kind of ridiculous but uh yeah that 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 show like got started like i think like about 11 years ago now and i joined on like year one or year two uh, right now, my main podcast jam is doing nasty over with Duncan on the the T-Puts cast of uh, side podcasts to the podcast under the stairs. 
There were like about halfway through the tier three list of the video nasties. So uh, yeah, we're, we're, we, we, we've been doing that for, I think like about a year and a half now. So we got about another year and a half of those left, but uh, yeah, you, you can find me over there. I love doing guest spots. I'm really, I'm really stoked. That, I don't think you and me have ever recorded a show where it was just you and me. We haven't. Like, I no. think we, yeah. we, we've, we've been on a lot of like the, the, the teapot summer series round tables I don't know if you remember this, but I was on like an episode or two of Devour the Podcast like a long time ago. And I distinctly remember those because those were really bad recordings for me. I don't remember why exactly, but I remember one of the movies we were talking about was Carrie and I came on and I just, for whatever reason, didn't have a whole lot to say about Carrie. I'm not a huge fan of that one, or at least I wasn't at the time. I bet if I came back around to Carrie now, I'd probably like it a lot more than i did back then but i felt really bad because you guys were nice enough to invite me on as a guest and i just kind of of fucked it all up and was just like i don't have a lot to say about this i know that's the whole reason you brought me on to be a guest is to say things but i don't have a lot to say here but anyway that's that's probably almost a decade ago so that's that's water under the bridge and yeah like i said i love doing guest spots man i'm really uh stoked to be here on this one especially for night of the demons this seems like a very mark ball kind of movie it's got a lot of a lot of things about it that <laughs> remind me I, I don't know necessarily of myself but just like my kind of general taste and uh like movies and horror and music and halloween and stuff like that in general this is a very me kind of movie so i'm fucking pumped to be here man thanks man uh yeah i and we haven't done anything just one-on-one and we have so much fun when we do the summer series together that i I definitely wanted to have a show that was just us goofing off and night of the the whole reason i went to do the night of the demon series is because i have a weird affection for for these movies and i'll go ahead and tip my hand a little bit right now i don't think the original night of the demons is the best one in the series really i, I think i've only seen the first two i think well I'll, we'll get to it later in the series but i actually i think i prefer the second one to this one just because it goes more places right by which i mean like actual physical sets um that's true this one's pretty confined it very much is but i do kind of love this movie and just earlier today i was listening to the commentary with um steve johnson and kevin tenney and uh i can't think of the uh hal harness is that his name hal havens who plays stooge and kathy podwell uh, who plays judy it was the four of them doing it Right, And uh, the thing I learned is that everything you think about this movie is exactly what it is. It was the least surprising director's commentary I may have ever listened to. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's nothing, nothing really wrong with that. It's a, it's a pretty, it's a fairly straightforward kind of spooky haunted house movie. I guess you'd say like, uh, I don't know. I, I would love to, you know, this has pretty great special effects. I would love to have, you know, learned some, which maybe we'll bring up on the show a little bit later. So we'll, little factoids about production but uh yeah yeah so let's get into this uh the the basic story begins uh kind of lethal weapon 2 style where it just jumps into a car and off we go uh right except there's not you know mel gibson calling anyone sugar tits and banging on the roof of the car (laughs) 
yet. Thank, thankfully. Oh, oh, yet is, is that happening in one of the sequels? God, yeah, I that's right. I, I, like you said, you haven't seen neither Demons Three, so it's kind of <laughs> at this point it's sort of Schrodinger sequel. It, it can, oh, no. it both has and doesn't have a Mel Gibson cameo all at once. <laughs> but so we're introduced to. Uh, three of our main characters right here, which is Stooge, who is a guy wearing a pig nose and has some... I kept ha- wanting to call him Piggy in my notes. Like, my first couple notes on this, I call him Piggy, and then I was like, wait a minute, that's that's Lord of the Flies. That was a completely different movie. <laughs> that is a very different movie. <laughs> uh, and then you have Helen, uh, who is not terribly relevant to the film other than she's in it and then eventually dies and Roger who is the black guy yeah and it's kind of a shame that's like his whole character practically (laughs) he's he's the black the token black guy he's the token black guy and easily the most cowardly character in the film which is also kind of unfortunate but I guess for him, every movie kind of needs a coward. He's easily he's like the Ben Cooper of this movie, almost only not quite as big of a jackass. Yeah, yeah. It it would just be not. I mean, again, th- this is looking at it through twenty twenty one eyes. But it's like, yeah. why have the one black guy in your movie be the one who's just like, you know, screw everyone else. I'm out to save myself. That's true. Uh, but yes, such is life. So. Uh, they're on their way to a party at Hull House, which is uh, at a local mortuary. And we get a, a setup for the payoff uh, at the end of the movie where they pass by uh, a dude who is coming back from the grocery store, an older man, carrying apples and razor blades. And oh, Yeah. I almost forgot about this. this. This comes back around at some point in the movie, so it's kind of important. Yeah, and Stooge flashes his pumpkin underwear clad ass at the guy, <laughs> which is pretty great. So they're, they're totally driving the, the car from Return of the Living Dead, too. It's like an old jalopy that's been spray painted a zillion times. There's probably a hundred beer bottles floating around in the back seat. It's, it's very much like cars that I rode in in high school, except for maybe the spray paint part, because you don't want to. Uh, that, that's counterintuitive. You don't want to attract the attention of like the police and shit if you're driving around drunk and stuff. But uh, my, I digress. My buddy Ben, speaking of digressions, he had an old VW <laughs> bus. And because it wasn't eye level and would not typically attract the attention of Johnny Law, as we called it back in the uh, the old days, five <laughs> zero, um, he he had uh, spray painted "free sex" on the top <laughs> of the VW minivan that he had. It's pretty good, like, like on the roof or on yeah, the ceiling. On the roof. So <laughs> if you were driving. The, the minibus and you were like someone happened to be on the second floor of any building it was clearly visible <laughs> that's fucking hilarious I mean, v- <laughs> v-dub buses are, are meant to be painted whether it's a mural or like a very creepy you know <laughs> luring sexual type of thing like they, those vehicles are meant for that kind of I feel like yeah yeah we, there were a lot of shenanigans in, in that minibus as you can imagine um, but yeah, you're right. Like it does have that kind of old 
speeder kind of car vibe, which I like. Like, there's a lot of little details in the, this movie I like, and the, that car is, is one of them. I also kind of like the fact that there is this weird wraparound story with this old man with his razor blades. And because yeah. you forget about it by the end of the movie, and then you're like, oh, right, the guy with the razor blades. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh. So then we uh, cut to Judy, who is really the main character of the film. And she's like the most pure of the group, kind of. She, she's almost like uh, she's a little bit like Laurie and Halloween or, you know, like the, you know, the, the, the typical. I, I don't know if necessarily she's a virgin, but that's kind of the, uh, you know, she, she's the good girl of the group. Right. If this were the Camden in the woods, she would be the virgin role for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and she goes home. She, her little brother jumps out of her closet while she's changing clothes because he's a little pervert creep. There's a lot of that in 80s horror, and I don't understand, like, where that comes from exactly. But, you know, five seconds on Pornhub, you'll you'll realize that that didn't really go away. <laughs> what in the hell is going on in this country? The fact uh, that, I don't... <laughs> that, yeah, as soon as you type in anything in Pornhub, it's like, oh, stepmother? It's the, you want a, a stepbrother or a stepsister? Like, are you sure you don't want to look at a step milf instead of just a milf? Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm just... like, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I never had step parents or step siblings to lust after, so I mean, maybe that's part of it. Look, I had a series of stepmothers because my dad was adventurous like that. Right. But nary a one did I ever think, like, you know what? I think I got a shot. We got a lot of weird, weird, repressed things in this country, I think is kind of the long and short of it. Yeah. Yeah. The. <laughs> You mean a country started by a bunch of Puritans has repression issues? <laughs> yeah, don't say. That sounds weird. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> Judy is getting ready for this party. She, Her boyfriend, Jay, who is this fret boy knucklehead, is like, hey, babe, let's go to Angela's party. And she's like, you mean that creepy goth chick? And I'm like, go on. <laughs> That's them's my ladies. Uh, uh-huh. And, but, uh, you know, eventually she kind of gives in. There's also some business with her ex-boyfriend or just a friend that is a little too chummy, uh, named Sal, who shows up and he's trying to pay off Judy's younger brother to, find out where this party is that Judy and Jay are going to. But this all starts with him showing up to be like, hey, how about you tell your sister I got a pet snake for her to play with? <laughs> and you're like, what in the fuck is going on here? And thankfully he's a shithead little brother. He's like, basically tells him to kick rocks or whatever. He's like, come on, kid, I'll give you a shiny quarter if you tell me where your sister's gonna be. He's, I, I can't remember what the light is, but yeah, he's just like, a quarter? You think I'm gonna sell out my sister for a quarter? And then he pulls out a dollar, and it's like, oh yeah, well, I mean, I guess this was the 1980s. He's probably gonna bought like, five comic books, ten hot dogs, and a fucking Snickers bar for a dollar, but yeah. anyway. A Nintendo Entertainment System costs $3.75. <laughs> 
If, if he would have pulled out a fiver, he could have bought an island in the Philippines <laughs> at this point. In, yeah. in, in money, money-wise. Yeah, it, it, it has the same value as Bitcoin does today. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Am- Amazon stock. Right. So, uh, yeah, so they're all going up to Hull House where there's going to be this big Halloween party. Um, also worth pointing out, there is an entire scene with Angela and Suzanne. Angela is the, the girl hosting the party. Suzanne is her friend played by Linnea Quigley, uh, very famously. And this starts with a shot of just Linnea Quigley's ass. <laughs> Bent over. Yeah, because, I mean, this movie kind of knows what it is, which is, <coughs> hey, we're going to be this kind of, you know, TNA-ish, you know, gory campy horror film it, it knows what it is like it, it's it's not ashamed of it which you know I, I i respect that very much yeah yeah i mean it, it's the old robin williams line from dead again decide what you are and be that um yeah. but yeah so <laughs> while all the while the two guys behind the counter are staring at linnea quigley's ass uh Amelia Kincaid who plays uh, Angela is just rolling through this place with like a pillowcase (laughs) (laughs) just throwing in like cookies and chips and some soda like it she is shoplifting like she is about to host a a party at a roller rink you know it's no booze there's no cigarettes or anything it is the most like clean cut uh party (laughs) that turns into you know a festival of demonology or whatever but it's not the way it starts she she walks out very casually with all this too because she can clearly see that these dudes are still ogling linnea quigley's ass and uh yeah it's it's not like a snatch and run kind of thing with with angela she's very very casually just like robbing the store blind and uh, I, I love the line that Linnea quickly says. It's like she she sees Angela walking out the door. She turns to the guys at the counter. And it's like, hey, you guys got sour balls? I don't know what that accent is, but I, uh, I'm trying here. You're like, you're like, like Rich Little, yeah. <laughs> they're like, no, we don't. She's like, oh, it must be hard. You must not get very many blowjobs. And just walks out. And it's like, yes, this is the Linnea Quigley that I love. The one that just like gives absolutely no fucks. And uh, that realizes very much so that she's a sex object to like not just people in the movie but the audience also maybe and she's just she fucking owns it like so well especially in this movie i think like uh but yeah that's it's such a great way to introduce your characters yeah and linnea quigley had done movie plenty of movies before this where she was nude and even full frontal nudity and so forth so yeah she just understood like hey people are gonna be checking out my goodies and that's just gonna be part of this character Uh, she kind of made a whole career just doing that like at least for a while there oh for sure like if you needed somebody to get naked in your horror movie Linnea Quigley was going to be game for it Uh, which you know more power to her like own that shit you know Yep. Um, absolutely yeah and so uh, Jay and then there, there's a dude named Max and Granny, 
pick Judy up. And Max is a guy dressed up like a surgeon. He's with, uh, is she dressed like a nurse? Is that what Franny's dressed up as? Are they couple, couple outfitting this thing, I think? I I kind of forget, but yeah, I think she's supposed to be a nurse. There, there's a couple of these characters that barely do anything like towards the beginning of this. Like I didn't realize until about halfway into this movie that Roger had a girlfriend. Like she, she she's the pardon the phrase she's the Asian girl of the group. Correct? That's Roger's girlfriend. No, that's uh, I thought that was Max's girlfriend. Oh, maybe you're. Right. I think Roger's flying solo here. Uh, okay, they they kind of get in like the same room, I think, basically later on in the movie. So I guess I just assumed that they were uh, boyfriend and girlfriend. They all have kind of generic names, probably doesn't really help at all, all that much either. Like Angela is like kind of the iconic character from this movie, so she's easy to remember. The rest of these people, I have a really hard time keeping their fucking names straight or like who is who sort of. So and like Judy, like, uh, yeah, she's she's kind of the other one that like is kind of the only one that really stands out well Linnea quickly obviously but uh, I'm really bad with the names I guess is what I'm trying to get at here really bad well and Judy's dressed up like Alice from Alice in Wonderland which also kind of helps it it both sells that innocence idea and also just makes her distinct from the rest of the group that are like generic doctor guy and pirate you know stuff like that that that, that kind of stuff i i don't think lands real well but yeah. well and Stoog- stooge is a pig that, that that one is very appropriate yeah i mean stooge is the other character that you're like well i ain't forgetting stooge in this movie um because he's just a, a real piece of shit from front to back but yeah so they they go to a uh, whole house when they show up there um, Max is the one who kind of tells the legend of Hull House, which is that it was a, a mortuary. There was supposed to be, you know, satanic rituals conducted there and that evil spirits are in the house, but they can't escape Hull House because there's an underground stream that runs around the building and he puts his stethoscope to the ground. He's like, yep, there it is. Uh, there, I can hear the the water flowing underneath, and that means that spirits can't get away. There's a, there's also a line about how old man Hull House apparently was like a little too friendly with his clientele, which is a funeral home. So there's a little bit of implied necrophilia going on there. Yeah, <laughs> right. Doesn't well, doesn't really come to any any kind of fruition, but like, yeah, I, I think they just felt the need to throw that in there for whatever reason. Yeah, it, well, it's it just paints him as what you could say is not a great guy. You know, you don't right. like. It's one of those things. If you learn that about somebody, like, well, I like to have sex with corpses, you just immediately think like, oh, you're a dirtbag. Okay. <laughs> yes, this is true. <laughs> you know, it's not like it's the the exact opposite of when somebody tells you that like they're in the Bigger Brother program or something. Yeah, we do a lot of charity work. <laughs> yeah. Well, I give out, you know, presents to all the poor kids in our community at Christmas, and I dress up like Santa Claus. And, yeah, that, like the other, that. other guy's like, hey, yo, I run a funeral home, and I like to diddle the corpses. You're like, ugh. I'll tell you what. I go through, like, 40 gallons of lube a month, and, <laughs> and only 30% of that is for work. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Uh, I don't know why you anyway. had a southern accent there, but you know. Um, 
but yeah, so there's uh, we we get a, a quick setup where somebody hands Judy a Jesus. lighter. You okay? Yeah, my cat knocked my phone off the fucking desk. I'm glad it didn't hang up the call. <laughs> Sorry about that. No problem, stupid cat. Um, <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Judy is trying to light some candles, and it turns out that she is using this lighter that's almost out of fluid. I mention that now because that's going to pay off later. And then there's a... Uh, like the the power goes out in this place and Angela's like hey I got a better idea how about we do a seance where we all sit cross-legged in front of this mirror and it's a past life seance is is the way she puts it where we're gonna sit around look into this mirror and when it goes black we're gonna see our what we look like in a past life right and so they all start doing that, and then I think it might be Sal who's, like, making fart sounds or something behind him. <laughs> Whatever he's doing, just fuck it off. And it, but before he does that, the mirror goes black, but we don't see anything, and that's why Angela's like, you dumbass, like, we almost had a spiritual connection here, and you ruined it. But meanwhile, Helen, don't get used to her, she is looking at the mirror still and sees like a demon head in the oh, mirror. Oh, yeah, that's right. And she's like, oh my God, it's a demon. And she freaks out and also sees herself dead uh, in this mirror. And then the mirror falls over and breaks into a million pieces. And this is where we get the coolest shot of the movie. Oh yeah, all the all the pieces of the broken mirror on the floor, and everybody's just like looking down at it, and it's like you can you can see the group of them like all huddled together, but yeah, it's just like little splinters of glass like on the floor. That is such a cool shot. Yeah, and one of the interesting things that came out of that director's commentary is Kevin Tenney said that uh, it was a real stupid idea to do that shot because they were. I bet it was a bitch to get right. Yeah, he said it, it took half a day to get that shot. <laughs> Oh, God. And they were on such a tight schedule that if the shot had not come off, which he was under no illusions that it was going to for sure, that they just wouldn't have had coverage for (laughs) that day. Oh, boy. Right. So, uh, but it it turned out it's a great shot. And yeah, the one thing that I will hand this movie is that there are some great, uh, lighting and and shots in the film that yeah, make it absolutely look, it, it looks way better than the run of the mill you know kind of 80s monster movie that it is um, yeah totally if you're into like shadow and like yeah just like i wouldn't even call this minimal i guess it's minimal lighting but they just really know how to yeah just like make makes make things seem way bigger than they are and way creepier than they are just like with like really simple like kind of i don't even know how to describe it really it's it's just a lot of like you know lack of light and like knowing like where to throw your shadows kind of i i think this is like a beautiful movie to look at if you're into that kind of shit absolutely and like shooting a lot of lights through uh through slats in the wall and that kind of thing that like real and also just pumping rooms full of smoke to make sure that those lights are visible. Those slats yeah. of light falling and stuff. Uh, it looks really good. 
And but anyway, so uh, when, while they're all standing around this kind of main room, the demon comes out of the furnace in the crematorium, and it's a like a steady cam shot, very Evil Dead like, of coming out of the the furnace and going upstairs and kind of moving around the room. And there's a little bit of kind of mythology uh, in the series established here, which is. Hey, if the demon is in the room, it's real stinky. Yeah. I think it's cold kind of too, I think. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I like the fact that the demon uh, smells like a fart. That's kind of fun. Makes, it makes sense, especially if it's a real evil demon. Yeah. Which is what I'm going to start calling my... <laughs> after eating something that makes my stomach a little upset, I'm like, oh, I got an angry demon. He's trying to come out. Somebody call it exorcist. I got... <laughs> I've been possessed by a foul scent. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, everyone kind of is looking at each other like, what is that smell? And why, yeah, why is it so cold in here? And meanwhile, the demon goes in Linnea Quigley's mouth. Yep. And at this point, Angela, Angela, Angela Angler. is. is is like, hey, we should probably get out of here because everything that we're talking about, like all these weird smells and the cold spots and Helen said she saw this demon and all that stuff, all of that to me sounds like demons. And we don't want any part of that. Ghosts are one thing, but demons are another. And then somebody's like, hey, what's the difference between ghosts and demons? Ah, <laughs> uh, screenwriting 101. Yeah. And she says, well, ghosts are people that have died. Demons are spirits that have never been human. They're just evil. And they're like, oh, yeah, that does sound bad. So Helen, in particular, is like, let's go. And Roger uh, is going to go with her. And they take Angela's car keys. Angela, she is not pleased about. No, at, not at all. And But meanwhile, Jay is like, well, I mean, if we're, it seems like a shame to break up the party right now. Don't, don't you think so, Judy? How about like we get naked in one of the rooms in this filthy house? <laughs> another, another '80s trope is yeah, dudes wanting to have sex with their girlfriends in the grossest, scummiest fucking places imaginable. I don't, I don't, don't understand it, but whatever. Yeah, they. I mean, they have already discovered coffins in this joint. They know that it used to be. Uh, a funeral home and so at best everything is really dirty and just covered in piss and shit from rats and bugs and other people who have come into this house to party uh. and that's a best case scenario and now we got demons as well like <laughs> Uh, but old, old boyfriend, what's his face? Is he, he is not thinking about any of this. He just really wants to get into Judy's pants. For sure. And so uh, she goes off to, to look around. Stooge is kind of running off to look around. Um, and Suzanne is like, hey, Stooge, how about you come with me? But hang on before we go explore, because I'm going to lock lips with Angela here. And kind of infects her with the demon as well. Yeah, that's 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 one way of passing along this curse or whatever. Yeah, it's just just a lock of lips. 
yeah, and that seems to be it. Like you are either killed by the demon, or the demon gives you a big mouthful of evil. Yep. So that seems to be the two methods of transmission. And uh, but yeah, so that you know, a bunch of people are gonna go explore around the house because it's a horror movie, and that's what we're doing. Like, hey, let's split up. Yeah, <laughs> we can do more damage that way. <laughs> And so Max and Franny, our doctor and nurse couple, decide that they're going to go to the room where they found the coffin and have sex in the coffin because they haven't ever done that before. <laughs> has, has that thought ever crossed your mind in the in the years that you've spent on this planet? You're like, what would it be like to fuck in a coffin? No, I... Like, I feel like I'm going to have enough time in a coffin that I don't need to jump on that bandwagon early. This is, this is very true. We got all all the rest of eternity. You'd be worm food in a fucking overpriced box. Yeah. So, so I'm not so worried about that. Although, yeah, I mean, every now and again, I'll have those weird random thoughts where you're like, I wonder if it would be like to fuck in an airplane bathroom. And then right. I think that, and then immediately on top of that is, I think it would be uncomfortable and crowded. I don't think it'd be yeah, very be, much fun. Like, there's probably a reason I haven't done that yet. Yeah. And, I mean, even if your partner of choice is willing to do it, it's still not a great idea. Yeah. You know? Much like the coffin. Right. Right. Because somebody is going to like, oh, I got a cramp because I got to stick my leg over your shoulder just <laughs> so we can both fit in this fucking, you know, two by two toilet that we're in. Um, yeah, just ladies and gentlemen, if we can impart anything in the course of this episode, let it be that have sex in spacious places. You want to have sex outside? That's fine. Make sure, you know, no children are around. That's all we ask. But the the smaller yeah, the space, the worse an idea it is. Yeah, unless that's like a really specific kink of yours to have sex in like a coffin or something. Like, yeah, you know, you, you can do better. You can do much, much better. But see, that is just, as far as I'm concerned, that is just pre-necrophilia behavior. Yeah, kind of. When you're like, I, w- I really want to fuck in this coffin. And you're like, why? Well, can you lie still when I do it? And also... Uh, can you lower your body temperature about 25 degrees? Which we we podcasters make a lot of, well, at least the ones that I hang out with make a lot of jokes about necrophilia, but it was actually legitimately brought up during a Q&A after a movie that I was at a Fantastic Fest that corpses can't consent, so that's like kind of not a cool thing to do. I mean, even if you're like a completely non-spiritual person and, you know, think that, you know, when you're dead, that's it or whatever... Uh, still kind of not cool so don't don't fuck corpses that's not okay yeah it's karmically a bad idea no matter how you slice it yep you don't have to see the movie necromantic to know that although <laughs> maybe you should maybe you should um, just just so just so you have an idea of how like slippery a thing that you're talking about you know yep um also, a corpse can't hug you back. I've got that t-shirt. <laughs> you have that on a t-shirt? Yeah. And on the back, it's, 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 it says the Anti-Necrophilia Association of America. Huh. 
Where the fuck did you come in possession of such a thing? In my imagination, where all things live. Um, ah. Yeah, I. <laughs> although, God bless her, if I told my girlfriend that I wanted that t-shirt, there... I don't think she would get it for me, but she would totally see that as in line with my ethos. She's like, oh, Bo. What I get is, you're a mess. <laughs> I get that a, a lot, a lot. Yeah, I think I do too, in, in, in so many words. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I that and what is wrong with you? I get that a lot too. <laughs> But it's an affectionate what is wrong with you, you know? Yeah, yeah. There, there's a fine line where you should maybe be worried if they make that comment. It's, it's all in the inflection and tone. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a line. Because I'm not going to say what it was that I told her. But there was a thing I told her recently that was just like, no. Don't. I don't. that This is a conversation we don't need to have. I mean, shit just pops into your head sometimes. You just say it. I mean, that's that's part of living with other people's accepting that sometimes they're just gonna say shit. Yeah, for sure. And and like I said, she's she's the best. She is completely accepting of the dumbest of my behavior. I pre- <laughs> I appreciate her so much. But yeah, there are definitely moments where she she. I'm the opposite. I'm like, whatever you want to talk about. And she's a nurse, so she talks about like disgusting shit over dinner and stuff like that every now and again. But right. but every now and again, I will say something that is just, hey, here's this random thought I had. Isn't that funny? And she's like, no, that is that is what we call aberrant behavior. And <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna tap the brakes right there, and we're gonna pretend <laughs> that we didn't talk about this. <laughs> oh boy, we, we got way off the rails there for a minute. Night of the demons. Yeah, night of the demons. So. <laughs> After everybody has split up and is having sex in coffins and whatnot, that's where this all began. Um, so Jay is, finds a room and is like, hey, Judy, how about we get down? And she's like, look, that's not why I came here. And also, if the only reason that we came to this party is so that you could fuck me, um, you might be out of luck. And Jay, being a frat boy asshole, does not take this well. Yeah. Because that, like, as you said, his whole game here is just to get fucked that night. So Which is doing doing her disservice. She's she's a nice young lady. She's got I mean her little brother is a perv, but like she looks like she lives in like a pretty good house, like her family's got, you know, at least a little bit of money or whatever. Like, you know, you treat treat the treat your girl right. Don't fucking treat her like a fucking sex object. Like this dude totally had it coming to just get told, uh, well, uh, you know, I don't know if this is gonna work, if this is all you're into. And of course, yeah, he storms off like a huge baby. And it's like this is where it's the audience, you're like, okay, we want this guy to fucking die next. And make make it a good one, because he's a piece of shit. Yeah. That one of the things that you learn, I think, as you get older, hopefully, is that you know what you treat a woman right, then she wants to fuck. That's mm-hmm. that's the secret. Is yep. d- don't start with the fucking, and the fucking will come. Uh, anyway, that's a different show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's Legion After Dark. Yeah, right. C- coming soon. That's coming back next year. Um, Sweet. Yeah. So while that's going down, Roger and Helen are trying to get out, but they keep running into the same 20 feet of brick wall. 
which apparently wraps around the entire place. Which, like, in any other movie, like, what Roger is doing out there, where he's basically like, I can't find the gate, it was right here, and he's, like, staring at a brick wall. That could be done really goofy. I don't know why on this viewing, that kind of creeped me the fuck out for some reason. Like, that's, like, a really simple way of being, like, uh, they're they're, they're kind of losing their minds, or the house is fucking with them on, like, a weird, you know, metaphysical level, kind of, because, like, you shouldn't just... You know, it should it should be hard to miss this giant creepy gate that's at the front of this place. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is about that. Like him looking for that and just like seeming so lost and like out of it. Like that kind of creeped me out big time. This this go around. I I can't quite put my finger on. It's got a kind of a Blair Witch vibe to it of like you're you're just kind of lost and you should be making progress and getting away but for some reason you just end up in this the same place you started yeah it's scary because i mean it kind of happens in real life like i I mean that's blair which is a great great example like all kinds of people get lost out in the fucking woods all the time and that's got to be such a terrifying feeling to be like the trail was right here and now it's just nowhere and everything looks the same and like i'm starting to get scared because i'm fucking lost Right, you have that second guessing of like, I think this is the right way back, but also all trees look alike. And, yeah. you know, maybe I'm headed the right way and I think I'm headed the right way, but I could also be second guessing myself into going the wrong way. And I guess this is like way, way creepier because they're like in a house. They're they're like, you know, they're a little bit out in the countryside, I think, but it's not like the woods. Like, like I said, like you, you can, it's, I think it's pretty easy to lose like a trail or whatever, especially if it's dark. Losing a gate, that's like, oh boy, that's a bad sign for our fucking characters. There are bad things about to happen. For sure. Yeah. And, and I agree. I think there is a really unsettling thing about the notion of, there was a door right here and it's not here anymore and the laws of physics themselves are no longer applicable in this scenario yeah that's that's spooky man yeah and so helen is like fuck this i'm gonna stay in the car you give me a yell when you find uh a way out of here and so uh then she seems to be she's killed by some demon and he gets in the car for a second and is looking around for Helen, can't find her. And then her body just lands on the windshield of the car, which is a pretty good effect. It's pretty bloody and splattery when it hits the, the windshield, which I appreciate. It's good. It's good sound design to you. It was, it was like really startling because it gets kind of quiet, like right before that, like the, like the jump scares, like a lot of it is all in the sound design. And there's a cheap way of doing it that, like, isn't very effective. And uh, there's a way like this one where, like, there's at least a little buildup to it. And it does, like, genu- genuinely startle you, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. it's Yeah. there And there aren't a ton of jump scares in this movie, which is also how I prefer it. Like, a judicious use of jump scares as opposed to, well, that's just what the movie is. Right. Because at that point, it just becomes a theme park ride and it's not a movie. You get you get numb to it after a while too if you overuse it. Oh, for sure. Uh, see uh, the James Wan films, as far as I'm concerned. Um, uh-huh. But uh, then we have uh, a moment where Stooge, who has been led upstairs by Suzanne, gets 
locked out of the room she's in because she starts freaking out on him about like don't look at me and kicks him out and he's just like what in the hell oh yeah she's she's got lipstick all over her she's drawing like a heart or something on her face and lipstick and yeah is, is like clearly starting to lose her mind yeah yeah and we should just go ahead and talk about this whole effect because it's one of the <laughs> things I remember most about this movie. When I think about this uh, movie, it's one of the things I think about. It's the one everybody talks about for sure. This got to be yeah, like the most. I I don't, know, I don't know if you call this iconic. It's definitely the most memorable for this movie. I think it's the one everybody talks about with one eye quickly. Yeah, and so it's her uh, bare-breasted. And she's drawing, you know, basically a spiral around one breast. And she's got these hearts drawn in lipstick on her face. And then she just takes the tube of lipstick and pushes it into her left breast. Like, like right under the nipple, just like inserts it like it's a fucking CD drive or something. Did they say, did you get to the part of the audio commentary where they talk about this? Because I've always wondered, like, what the hell was the inspiration for this? They, I did, and they didn't talk about the why of it. This, I mean, it was in the script. So, I mean, Steve Johnson did talk about the how of it more than the why. But, right. you know, I, I, I get the impression that it was just some weird gag that Kevin Tenney had come up with. And but yeah, Steve Johnson, you know, uh, essentially said like, you know, he, we made this appliance and they did it with this uh, kind of gel so that she could, you know, not only so it bounces back kind of like so that the, it, the material. Yeah. And the lipstick tube itself was collapsible so that as she's pushing it in, it's folding. Okay. But then she also puts her finger into the appliance. Which is <laughs> such a great touch. She just like tucks it in there like one like knuckle deep with a fucking pointer finger. Yeah, and it's it's really it, it's a great effect. It looks really good and it, it holds up super well because it's obviously a very practical effect. You know, it's just an appliance that they they put basically right below her neck. And, and down to, uh, yeah, like she's behind it, essentially. Right. But it looks fantastic. And it's also really unsettling because it is so weird and freakish. And, and like you said, there's kind of that why of like, why is she doing this? Oh, my God. Why did <laughs> why is her body doing this? It, it, it's almost uh, it's almost body horror. And maybe it yeah. just is body horror. But uh it's yeah it's freaky <laughs> i guess it's maybe a little, bit, a little bit better left unexplained because yeah it is like nothing really you, you gotta go to some you know like cronenberg or like tetsuo kind of corners of the uh the, the horror sphere to you know even kind of understand where where's an idea i'm sure yeah it is just like something goofy that they came up Man, they might have been like looking they might have had like a leftover like chest prosthetic like that and somebody was like hey there's like a little tear here hmm, I wonder if like somebody stuffed like uh, that, that might have been an idea that, like was for something else that they never got around to using until this point or whatever but yeah I, I don't know fuck it I, I kind of like it better left unexplained because it is one of the weirdest goddamn things in uh, a great many horror movies yeah oh for sure yeah and 
the inscrutability of it is one of the things because it doesn't like Linnea Quigley seems so pleased with herself after it's done and you're like I don't know what is happening and that makes me feel a little uncomfortable because she's clearly not well because we've also seen her look into her mirror and her face go like super old and kind of stretch out and that kind of thing right and so while that's happening in the room stooge wanders downstairs again where angela starts doing a dance to a Bauhaus song i love this scene and this is one of the other big iconic scenes where she starts doing this dance for him and a strobe light starts going off and one of the things i really dig about it is that it is uh her kind of like crawling it's a very animal kind of performance Ah. and they also do edits so that as the light flashes she'll suddenly be in a different part of the room dancing yeah yeah dude oh man and and Bauhaus is such like a oh man like this whole scene is just like a a goth kids like wet dream like this this probably helped a lot of goth kids find their identity the spooky, I think, kind of because it's, it's it's equal parts a little bit spooky because yeah, like you said, she kind of is like the strobe give, gives an unnatural look to everything where she's kind of jumping around, but it's also super hot, like undeniably super fucking hot. So uh, yeah, I, I I kind of adore this this scene. I love that song that they play too. I can uh, yeah, that's oh man, <laughs> so much to like about this scene the steve johnson the uh, effects guy said that uh while they were on the shoot he went to a uh, a strip club either just before or just after the shoot and she was performing there um really yeah that she apparently she danced in some exotic clubs in and around los angeles and he was like yeah she's fucking great like you know she has a real presence and that kind of thing and um he was like yeah it was like you know she was violent and it was really sexy and she did her own choreography for all of this as well so that makes sense yeah so anyway but as sal comes downstairs and it's like hey yo this is real fucked up <laughs> your sal voice it's perfect that's kind of what he sounds like though he's he's a a really stereotypical Italian character in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, go get your sister. Hey, are you gonna? I think something really freaky is going on around here. I'm gonna go get some fresh prosciutto. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's Sal. He's 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 pretty one note, but you know he he's he's doing the best he can, I guess. And he's not the worst guy as it turns out but um yeah so uh uh finally angela is right in front of stooge and she starts kissing him and she's got a demon tongue as this happens and we understand like he starts trying to pull away from her so it's clear that he is being killed and or infected by this demon right and so Stooge is now God, Angela's God, Suzanne's God. And 
then uh, Jay shows up to find Suzanne still mostly topless and also flipping her skirt up so we see some badge as well mm-hmm. and he's like oh well uh, I was here with Judy but I think I know where my bread is buttered <laughs> yeah he, he switches gears real quick yeah and so uh, he starts making out with her and then she goes all demon on him and, and starts eating him. And so Jay gets killed by Suzanne. Then we have uh, Max and Franny who are fucking in the coffin. And Stooge shows up and he's all demoned out now. And he breaks Franny's neck. He like whips her head around. Uh. And then... Uh, basically bangs off uh, Max's arm because he's trying to hide the coffin or whatever and his arm's sticking out. So That's right. Yeah, Stu just starts pounding that and he dies that way. I was trying to remember how he died. I, I remember the, the, the neck twisting is like it's kind of a neat effect for like a while ago, but I, I feel like it's kind of overused in a lot of horror stuff. The, the slamming his arm in the coffin and just like beating him to death with a coffin lid while he's in it, I think it's kind of a cheat. It's like, it's like something the Undertaker would do. <laughs> yeah. That one's pretty good. Um, then there's... Oh, and I think it's... Uh, Jay gets... Uh, is is it his eyes? Is is that what... Where... Yeah. Because there's the whole love is blind gag later, so Suzanne uses her thumbs to kind of gouge in his eyes. That's how he That's gets right. it. And so then uh, Roger and Sal run into each other. And then Roger's like, hey, I can't find the gate. And also uh, Helen's body fell on my car. And Sal's like, hey, yo, there's something fucking crazy going on around here. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're, they're trying to find a way out. They find Judy still upstairs in the room where um, Jay had left her. She was like locked in basically. Yeah. And so they decide that they're going to escape and they're going out the roof is how they're escaping. And then Angela and a couple of the other demons show up and Sal ends up going off the side of the building along with Angela. And he gets like a, a picket fence stake through the chest is how he ultimately goes. But he kind of goes trying to distract them from uh, Judy. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a borderline noble death for, for a not very noble character up until that point, which I thought was kind of a nice touch. There's nothing wrong with redeeming characters that are kind of shitty throughout like the, the run course of the movie. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of a dirtball, but he's not a possessed demon trying to murder anyone, and that's really the big threat here. And yeah, I think he genuinely, you know, he has a terrible way of showing it, but I think he likes Judy well enough. Yeah. And uh, so Roger has jumped off the roof. He's uh, on kind of this raised platform, and is trying to get Judy to jump into his arms, and she ends up falling. Um, and it's a nice kind of 
dolly shot of her falling. A um, couple of other shots to point out before we kind of get to the end of this, which we're barreling towards. There's uh, some fun shots of Angela floating down the hall. Oh, dude, I'm glad you brought that up because that is like one of my things that I like just thinking about it like sends a shiver up my spine. And it all comes from the, the original The House on Haunted Hill because it's got those couple shots of like the housekeeper that kind of, yeah, just float like you can't see their legs moving. And it's like the simplest special effect in the world. Like they're literally just on like a mechanics like dolly or like a roller of some kind. And then you cover it with like a long dress or a skirt or something. I don't know what it is about it. It's, just, it's one of those things that's like so unnatural. And you can tell that there's not like digital effects or like any optical effects, really. It's it's 100% practical and it looks so fucking unnatural and creeps me the hell out. And it's also like a super, I think, traditional thing. Like when people talk about seeing ghosts or whatever is that they don't really like, oh, the ghost came walking up right to me. I could hear his fucking kids clip clopping on the floor. <laughs> no, they usually don't have feet and they float. That's that's like I think a ain't like a really really old kind of thing about ghosts that I think is pretty common, which is also <clears throat> there's like the opposite. My mom used to work in a lot of nursing homes, and <clears throat> I can't remember if this happened to her or somebody that she knew, but uh, she worked in this place that had uh, basically like a big dance hall in the basement, like it's this massive like you know old folks home type facility thing. <laughs> and apparently like <clears throat> one of the night nurses or whatever heard uh, I don't know just some kind of commotion and they went downstairs and into the where, where the old dance hall was and all they could see was like a group of feet like you know kind of bouncing around like they were dancing or something no bodies just feet like shoes old timey shoes and I'm pretty sure that was probably that nurse's last day there and they said fuck this I'm gonna go work at fucking you know Texas Roadhouse or whatever but uh yeah anyway i figured i'd throw that in there a little, little ghost story for her uh how halloween related movie yeah oh i love a good ghost story it, it's one of my favorite things is when someone's got a like hey this happened to someone i know kind of ghost story love it dude love people it. that work in nurse nursing home people it seems like have a lot of them i mean it's it, it's 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 an obvious thing when you think about it yeah you know, people die left and right in nursing homes that's basically why they go there is to live out the rest of their life and you know be cared for kind of or whatever so uh yeah i, I that this that seems a little underutilized in the horror genre is the haunted nursing home because like you talk to most nurses and stuff they're like fuck they're all haunted but probably well yeah you got nothing but dead people around so or uh, dying people uh about that effect the floating effect it's even more low rent than you described because this was something that they did talk about in the commentary they, really? Yeah. They put her on roller skates and pushed her. <laughs> oh, perfect. I mean, it's kind of the same basic thing, yeah. They, they might have done the same thing in House on Haunted Hill, for all I know. I always just kind of assumed that it was, yeah, like a like a mechanics dolly, like they used to get on their back and get under your car kind of deal, or, you know, just a board with some fucking wheels on it. But I, this is the 80s, so yeah, yeah, I can pretty much guarantee at least a few of these people had roller skates in their closet at home. Yeah, it works super well. There's the one where you see her, like, the, the full body that's her on roller skates, and somebody just shoved her <laughs> down the hallway. And then right. the, the ones where you see her kind of waist up was done with, and that was where she was on, like, a, a dolly, and they had the cameraman in a wheelchair 
pulling okay. pulling all of that backwards. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's super effective. And so Judy falls on top of Roger. They're now trying to get away, but again, they can't get out because of this wall surrounding the joint. So they end up going back through the first floor and down into the crematorium. And that's where they find a demon head in the in the crematorium, in the oven. And uh, outside the door of the crematorium, the possessed pals of theirs have gathered and are banging on the door. And they have to get out of this situation because Stooge and Angela and the rest of that ilk are slowly but surely forcing the door open. Like the, the screws are coming out of the hinges and stuff like that. And they get the bright idea, Judy and Roger do, to basically pull the pipes away from the oven, turn on the gas, and then the lighter that she had earlier from when she was lighting candles, she uses that to light the natural gas and turn it into a bit of a flamethrower. So when <laughs> the demons come through the door, she sets them on fire. It's kind of goofy, but, you know, it, it does kind of make sense. I mean, it would never in a million years work in real life, but, you know, it's it, it, it's a unique way to kind of dispatch our, 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 and our bad guys at the end of the movie, kind of. So and it looks cool. You can, you can get away with all kinds of shit as long as it looks cool. Yeah, and it's... It's fun because we get to see some people set on fire, and that's never a bad thing. Um, and yeah, they kind of run past these burning demons and get past them, get outside and to the brick wall again. And at this point, Roger manages to use some barbed wire to scale the wall and get at, to the top. Then he brings, uh, or is trying to drag Judy up and over as well. Um, while she is doing that, the demons who are now all burned up and actually the burn makeup, I think looks real good too. Yeah. Um, they kind of gather below Judy and are trying to pull her back, uh, into their clutches. And, uh, before she can, Judy can be pulled, uh, down to be, you know, eaten or demoned or whatever. Roger, who had gone over the wall was like, fuck this. See you later. <laughs> shows back up to uh, give her a hand and help her up and over the wall. And then the sun comes up and uh, the demons all turn into smoke and we see the demon head again and they've won. So, yay our heroes. Did they, did they talk about on the commentary at all about like what was the like inspiration or anything like about the demon head because i'm i'm not remembering that this is steve johnson also worked on ghostbusters right he like, absolutely did yeah, yeah, yeah okay because I'm, I'm looking at a little miniature terror dog from ghostbusters and i'm like you know the demon in night of the demons that like shows up in the mirror and like at the end of this movie kind of looks like a skeletal version of a terror dog a little bit a little bit it was something that he had modeled i think and and so that might have been like you know same same mama different daddy kind of situation, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it, it comes off pretty well. A, a fun little fact about it is when you see the 
the sun coming up that is some stock footage that they they bought but uh they didn't have money to buy the clip and so the director kevin tenney worked out a deal with the stock footage company where they had filmed a boat exploding in the movie witchboard but they never (laughs) used it in the movie so they trade they traded stock footage where they got the sunrise and kevin tenney gave them the boat explosion that's fucking wild i I would love to at some point stumble across the the exploding boat from witchboard that didn't get used and be like hey that's that yeah yeah i thought that was real fun but yeah so um yeah there steve johnson has some fun stories mostly about him working on the night shoot and having to stay up late to do all the effects work and doing an ample amount of cocaine to keep awake oh yeah yeah he's he's a character there's a great episode i think of the shockwaves podcast where they had steve johnson on he talks about like uh doing cocaine with the ghost of john belushi when he designed slimer for ghostbusters i think he's got a book out too and it's full of all these insane stories about being a special effects guy at like probably the height and like will always be you know the golden age of practical effects which is kind of 80s uh late 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 70s to early 90s kind of was you know when dudes like these they were fucking rock stars back then same with like phil tippett and stan winston and these guys like they were absolutely at the top of their game and could like you know we're just making movies that like are, we're, we're still talking about all these years later and still love and adore so yeah um, like yeah. johnson worked for rick baker for a while and yeah i mean yeah. it's uh, yeah it, that group of wild men uh are just fascinating and just completely drug fueled which makes it even better as mythology i mean i'm sure they were just <laughs> nightmares to be around but yeah you know it makes fun stories that's for sure yeah definitely so uh our heroes start walking away from whole house and they pass by the home of the old dude that we saw earlier in the movie buying apples and razors and when he sees them go by he has a line that's something like oh you filthy pig bastards or something like that which i really enjoy um, but he goes inside and his his wife is like well dear I made you an apple pie and, he, <laughs> and without any self consciousness at all he's just like well that sounds great Have, cut me a slice of that apple pie starts eating it and then uh, she's complaining like I couldn't get any fresh apples at the store so I just used the ones that you were going to hand out to the trick or treaters and uh, as he's doing this, of course, razor blades just start ripping through his throat. And it's a, it's a gross effect, too. It's, it's, this whole like front of his neck is just like tearing apart, basically. Yeah, one of one of the most expensive effects of the movie as it happens. And I, I, I can see that. Yeah, it's just again, it, it, it's a whole neck prosthetic and you're having to pull the razors through it and there's all the blood and yeah it a, a more complicated effect than a lot of the, the others i think i think the other one was the the lipstick was the other like big expensive effect yeah um, i mean yeah it's like a whole they probably had to do a cast of her whole torso that's like 
you know, a day and a half, two days just doing that part of it. And then applying it is like half a day. Like a lot of it comes down to time, like the materials and shit to build the stuff might not have been super expensive, but you got to pay somebody to do that. And it takes a long time. Yeah. As we learned, uh, however, Steve Johnson uh, was happily the volunteer to help make the cast of Linnea Quigley's uh, chest. Um, no, really? They just took, like, a cast of his chest or something? No, or no, no, no he, hers. He applied. He, he applied. applied. Oh, okay. Yeah, ah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, so he, he referred to it as a love at first makeup effect. Um, <laughs> so uh, the movie kind of ends with the, the old woman sipping her coffee and kissing the head of her husband who is bleeding profusely from his throat. <laughs> and, and she says, happy Halloween, dear. So it's kind of a nice, you know, Halloween wrap up, uh, you know, nodding to the holiday and so forth. Um, but that's it. That is that is the story, such as it is, of Night of the Demons. Pretty straightforward. You get a bunch of kids in a, in a house, demons start possessing them one by one, and they try to get out. Yeah, there, there's a zillion movies like this, but none quite like this movie. This movie's kind of special, I think. It's It's got a lot going for it. Yeah, so let's get into that part of it. Uh, let's talk about some of the performances, and I'll, I'll start with Amelia Kincaid as Angela, who I think is okay until she gets possessed, and then she's amazing. Right. I, I, I think, think she's she's kind of, she's kind of appealing like before she gets possessed. I don't know. She's like not quite like you kind of get the impression that like Linnea Quigley's character is like the wild one of those two. Like maybe she's like a little more like a bad kid kind of, whereas like, I think like it, uh, uh, like Angela's character before she gets possessed kind of on a base level reminds me of like the main character in Piwacket. She's not Mm -hmm. really like a bad kid. She's just into spooky shit and she likes dressing in black and like, that was kind of like that, that was the style back then when that was like a fairly relatively you know fresh and new thing and there's still kids like that like you know Biwaka was only made a couple years ago and it's featured features a like similar kind of characters this is a goth kid basically and uh, I don't know I always appreciate movies when that's not done super stereotypically because to a degree I was that kind of kid and I also knew a lot of kids that were like that there were not necessarily bad kids we were just into spooky shit i don't know some of us had you know our problems like every kid does or whatever but like you know, like clearly angela is not above like just shoplifting like fucking crazy or like probably breaking and entering into private property because there's no way in hell the whole house is just like you know open like i, I don't know is there a shot of them like opening the gate i forget or like i feel like there should have been a shot somewhere of them uh, it's definitely implied that they break into this fucking place. So yeah. I mean, she's 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 no angel, but uh, deep down, I think she's a you know she's she's a good kid. Yeah, she's a good kid. Uh, she's a good kid. Go get your sister. Yeah. Speaking of Billy Gallo, the guy who played Sal, uh, I he is a performer in this movie that really sticks out to me. Um, because he is playing that kind of dirtbag guy, but I think he's actually very funny in it. Um, yeah, he's he's got some some of the best lines of dialogue I think in this. I don't know, he's he's and yeah, he he he's got the look, he's got the voice. It's a bad Italian stereotype, sure, but he's also like kind of I think going for like a greaser thing, 
and uh, he, he's he's kind of like the evil Fonz. And this is another character that you like see in a bazillion uh, bazillion movies, especially like where like in another movie the the kid brother would have been the main character, and you know the the, the shitty boyfriend is kind of the antagonist. You know what kind of reminds me to is Terror Vision with uh, whatever the hell the the sister's doofy fucking punk rock boyfriend that keeps threatening <laughs> to beat up the little kid is. I can't remember what the hell his name is. It's been a bit since I've seen Terror Vision, yeah, but kind of the same thing there. A while, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I, but I think he's fun. I think he kind of gets what that character is and, and really leans into it. And I think the same thing is true of uh, Hal Havens, who plays Stooge. Um, I think he understands, like, I'm just going to be ridiculously over the top and unlikable <laughs> because hearing the guy talk it's like oh this, he seems like a very smart funny guy and him playing just a complete you know you know party monster just looking to get drunk and laid kind of thing it's it's fun and he goes full out like they tried to get him to uh, moon that old man to show his bare ass and uh, he was like, "You can't afford that. I'm not showing my, <laughs> I'm not showing my big ass on screen, man." <laughs> yeah, his his costume's perfect too because I mean he's he he is a pig. His character is yeah you know, a male pig. So uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of it's kind of kind of brilliant stuff. And yeah, he's 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 just a lot of fun to watch. Like even though he's super obnoxious and crude, I, I genuinely enjoy watching him in this movie. Yeah, he's really fun, um, and we talked about Linnea Quigley, who just kind of owns it, and uh, she's very creepy. Uh, you know, Linnea Quigley is Linnea Quigley. You know kind of what she's going to bring to your film, aside from yep. just the, the nudity, but also she has a very measured way of talking, you know, uh, that, that I find it most... Uh, pointed in like Return of the Living Dead, but she has that that very enunciated delivery where every word is very important. You know, um, yeah. it, it, it's an interesting delivery style, and and nobody else sounds like her in that Scream Queen kind of uh, collection of actresses. Um, and I I. I'm a big fan. I like I like it when Linnea Quigley shows up in something. Because A, oh, yeah. she's probably going to get naked, and B, she's not going to be a pushover. You know, because I she never is in these movies. Yeah, I I hate to say it, but I mean, I, I big time grew up on Return of the Living Dead. That was a movie that I've probably seen fucking hundreds of times at this point as a teenager. Like, I think that maybe to a degree shaped you know <laughs> she's just got like such a badass attitude in that movie and yeah like you said like she just takes shit from nobody and like i respect that so much it's, it's like a super like you know even though she gets butt naked through like a good chunk of that movie i think it's kind of a you know pro-feminine role because she's you know just well i don't know she it's, it's hard to say i i feel weird talking about pro-feminine things as well doofy white male that you know sure yeah, really yeah. know much about these things but uh de- definitely uh shaped i think personally my my taste in women to a degree yeah and uh i think kind of lastly for me uh kathy podwell as judy 
is, I again, I think kind of what you need her to be in this movie, which is very sweet, very innocent, can look scared when you need her to be. And, yeah. and it's not a complicated performance or anything, but I also, she is totally right for that part. She looks, she's very sweet faced and all that. And, um, yeah, I think she is, you know, this is damning with faint praise a little bit, but like, I think she is totally fine in this, but also when you're surrounded by like Amelia Kincaid having a ball, as Angela and Linnea Quigley pushing lipstick into her boobs. It's just hard to stand out in that crowd. Well, yeah, yeah, like you said, she, she's she's necessary because she's kind of our center, uh, you know, as far as like the character dynamics in this goes. She's, I think, kind of going to be the character that the audience relates to the most just because everybody is like, you know, somewhere between a wacky caricature or just like a weird quirky, quirky kind of character. We we need somebody that's like kind of normal that the audience can relate to. And yeah, it's kind of Judy in this one. Yeah. So anybody else you want to call out uh, as far as performances go? I think that's, I, I mean, I think that's about it. And like, yeah, this is one of those great movies where like you can, like it's great for the actors because they basically get most of them get to play two parts they get to play you know their normal character or whatever and then they get to play possessed character and i think everybody in this movie does a really good job of like you know uh acting like you know some of them are kind of possessed and some of them are like a little bit more like zombies like they don't really get a whole lot to do but uh definitely yeah uh Possessed Stooge and Angela are like fairly iconic. They, they just released a Blu-ray of this a year or two ago that uh, Scream Factory packaged and a couple of action figures of those too. And I didn't get a chance to snag those, and now they go on eBay for like three hundred bucks. But there's like so, like anybody that's seen this movie would know. Like if you just showed them those two characters, basically, like you, they they know what movie this is from. It's, it's maybe not on the level of like you know Jason Voorhees iconic, but uh, fairly iconic and like I think you know miles above a lot of the you know possessed by a demon kind of movies because there's a zillion of these in the 80s like like I said there's movies just like this only like a million times shittier kind of depending on how you're doing it so um, yeah uh, I, 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 that's kind of one of the cooler things about this movie I think alright well let's uh, discuss themes which won't take long because this is not a particularly deep film um, you know, it's not like coming off the Psycho series where it's like, well, you know, this is really a movie about the idea of escaping your past. And, you know, uh, this is more like, I don't know, don't fuck around with black magic, I guess. And also don't put yeah. razors in apples. Don't be, don't be an old man asshole. Um, yep. I, if I were going to be, if like, if I had to write a thesis on this movie, I would probably go with a lot of the Wonderland stuff of like, this is kind of about a girl who descends into this madhouse and tries to escape it, you know? Like, suddenly, we were talking about it earlier, like the rules of physics don't quite apply in this world the way that it does elsewhere, you know, outside right. the walls of all else. And and so that's probably the underlying theme of the film, is is this notion of like being being thrust into a world of insanity and and finding your way out of it but like i said it's not this isn't a movie that's trying to make you learn something about the human condition you know 
No, but there, there's just enough of it there. They like if you went looking for it, kind of like we just did. I mean, it is there, but it's not you know 100 necessary to the plot or anything. Yeah, you could just enjoy this like completely on surface level, and I, yeah, I think it's just as good that way too. So, um, yeah, I, I think a lot of better horror movies out of the 80s kind of kind of share that with it. Where if you want to get real deep about it, you can, but you absolutely don't have to. Yeah, yeah, and and so that brings us to uh, final thoughts on the film. And here I'm just going to turn it over to you first, and then I'll I'll piggyback on yours by saying ditto. I I love this movie. It had been a couple of years since I'd seen it. I kind of had forgotten that this was a Halloween related movie. Like I remembered everything else about it, but I didn't remember its like connections to Halloween. This has we didn't mention the opening credits to this, which is this kind of cool animated style where it's like on a black background it reminded me of like it reminded me of two things it reminded me of batman the animated series which is like kind of notorious because it was one of the first cartoons that's animated completely on black backgrounds just to give it that kind of like negative space like noirish kind of look and it also reminded me i'm looking right at it actually i have this old edgar Allan poe book that's a lot of like uh it's, it's, it's from like the 30s I think it's the oldest book I own and it's an illustrated copy and it's like just full of these awesome like crosshatch kind of I think that's what that art style is referred to but um, it's uh, it, it reminded me a lot of that and yeah it's, it's all Halloween themes you know like spooky black cats and pumpkins and stuff and like as soon as I like put this on I was like oh man this is such a great movie to be watching like a week before Halloween like this is uh, definitely needs to go in your, your seasonal rotation around this time. But uh, yeah, it had been a couple of years since I'd seen this. And like, yeah, I, I remember really liking this. You know who really loves this movie is Danny Trioxin over on the, the now defunct Midnight Horror Show. This movie was like super duper his jam back in the day. And I know quite a few other people that this is like way up there. I'm like this some of their favorite like horror movies of all time, basically. And uh, yeah, I, I I think this one is for me definitely going in my yearly rotation around Halloween. I'm kind of gonna grow to love it more. I think this is only like the second or third time I've seen this one because I definitely remember seeing this back in my early 20s or so. And then again, kind of when we were doing like Halloween shows for the Midnight Horror Show. But uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a strong recommend. This, this is on Shutter right now, so it's really easy to get. I don't know. If you're gonna have that kind of luck with a lot of the sequels, if they're equally as easy to get, but yeah, there's oh, also no. like a nah, I didn't think so. Yeah, there, there's a pretty nice. I don't know if it's out of print or not, but there was like a pretty nice uh, Screen Factory Blu-ray of this floating around. It's got a whole bunch of special features. I might need to track that down here at some point because uh, yeah, this, this, this belongs in your collection. Now, hopefully, you've seen this if you listen to us just like spoil the shit out of it over the last hour and a half or so. But if for some reason you listen to all this and you haven't, you need to get off your ass and go watch this movie because it's 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 really good. It's one definitely one of the better ones that came out of the eighties. Yeah, it's kind of of that ilk that were spawned by the Evil Dead of like let's put a bunch of kids in a siege kind of scenario and have them start getting possessed. Right. And but it is as you said, it is one of the better versions of that. Um, it's low budget for sure. Um, in on paper, it should be completely unremarkable, but it's got some really good and interesting performances in it. It's got great, great camera work and lighting. 
Um, the atmosphere really works. The practical effects are better than most of these movies by a wide stretch. And and it's also got a nice quick runtime. You want to warm my heart? You come in at like 89 minutes with a movie like this and now we got something because you're not you're not overstaying your welcome the action kind of keeps moving and keeps propelling forward throughout the film um and i like all of that stuff it's you know my big complaints with it are that is a single location movie and i like i'm not i don't get bored with it or anything but there, there is part of me that's like, I feel like this is just kind of cramped and small and claustrophobic. But again, it was also made for about a million dollars. So, but yeah, I, you know, I've got my, my minor quibbles with it. But I remember watching this when I, when I was a kid. I was talking about this when I was doing the 31 Days of Halloween stuff for, for Legion. I talked about the movie Evil Dead and how when I was a kid, the first time I saw that, that scared the living shit out of me. And I kind of get that vibe in this movie, too, where there is something about being trapped in a place where the people that you knew are now trying to kill you and you can't get out. That really, like, strikes a chord somewhere in my spinal column that creeps me out uh, in a way that a lot of horror movies don't. And, yeah, this movie kind of gets under my skin at times, which is weird because it is, it, it's kind of knowingly funny and campy at times, but is also really unnerving at times too. Like with the lipstick thing and stuff of like, this is just kind of gross and weird and uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a lot of little things. I think like yeah, just 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 lurking just beneath the surface. Like, like I was talking about the not being able to find the gate thing and being lost like indoors or whatever. It's. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it it it's it's got enough spooky stuff in it that like uh, you I think you're willing to overlook some of the, the limitations and budget or whatever that they had and why why it stands above a lot of other stuff. It, it gets just enough right that like a lot of movies get super duper wrong and just don't really have a whole lot to offer. You know, like this this one's got plenty and it, it does it all. Uh, well, well above average, I think is what I would, I would call it. Yeah, yeah, I, that's kind of where I land with it. Speaking of, let's do some ratings. Uh, we do uh, a five-star rating system. You are allowed half stars, but we don't do quarter stars because we're not monsters. <laughs> okay. So, um, I I would. I, this is a pretty like solid four-star movie for me. Like, I, I wouldn't call this like a masterpiece or anything because uh, you know it's it's. It's kind of cheesy in an '80s way, and yeah, like you said, it's it's kind of limited in its locations and what it can do on its budget kind of stuff. But uh, I just on, just on a personal level, I really like this movie. This this ticks a lot of my boxes. This is like a solid four out of five for me. Excellent. I'm gonna go a little below that uh, at three and a half. I think, as we talked about, it's a well above average movie, and I think some of the characters get a little lost in the mix of this. Uh, so, you know, they're really just cannon fodder for the rest of the film. But for all the reasons that we talked about before, the great camera work and the lighting and iconic scenes like the lipstick nipple and Angela dancing and stooge and all that stuff. It's yes, a- as you said, Mark, uh, quite succinctly, this belongs in a Halloween rotation. You should watch this movie around Halloween. Um, 
So, before I cut you loose, here are three things that you may not know about Night of the Creep. Or Night of the Creeps. Night of the Demons. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, yeah, I, we're just going to give you three random facts about Night of the Creeps. Uh, it has nothing to do with anything we talked about before. I just like throwing Night of the Creeps uh, <laughs> trivia in. No, no, no. <laughs> three things that you, you might not know about uh, Night of the Demons. One, the original script contained a gay couple and an interracial kiss but some of the producers were like uh look we're not doing that but yeah it was like a super progressive uh screenplay um which kind of a a bummer that that didn't make it in there um (laughs) the 80s were not terribly progressive in a lot of ways oh for sure um also Linnea Quigley and Steve Johnson, when they met during the application of goo to her breast to make the mold, fell in love and were later married for a couple of years after doing this movie. Aw. Yeah. That's kind of nice. That's kind of nice. (laughs) Yeah. And and the last one is uh, one that uh, we, we briefly referenced which is the animated sequence at the beginning originally was not going to be the open of the movie. Uh, Kevin Tenney wanted to do a live action open to the film, but uh, one of the uh, producers was so insistent on it that they ended up doing a mock-up of like a couple of minutes or a couple of quick black and white panels of what the opening would look like. And even though it, it cost way more than the opening that Kevin Tenney was going to do. And again, money was a big uh, issue on this shoot. Uh, after seeing just a couple of uh, a, a couple of seconds of this opening uh, animated, he was like, oh, right. Okay, that's what we should do. Um, so That's interesting. And yeah, I, I kind of forget that back in the day, yeah, animation was really expensive and like even you know finding companies or individuals that could do that kind of thing was a lot harder back then now like everybody and their grandma has like blender and is like an expert in like you know animation and 3d modeling and stuff like that like this is the the tables have super turned well and the technology has become like so much more readily available to do that now than it was back in the 80s like i i guess that kind of makes sense but now i'm kind of curious what he had originally planned like kind of roughly the same thing only done live action like some tim burton you know whipping through the town there's pumpkins and spooky shit like that kind of deal now now i'm kind of curious what they had originally planned yeah my impression was that it was just going to be either kind of a cold open the way that that night the demons 2 happens or that it was just like hey we're gonna roll credits over this car ride um, no, okay. So, at any rate, those are, are three things that you, you may or may not know about Night of the Demons. Hopefully, uh, you leave this show a little smarter than when you found it. And <laughs> um, also, certainly, with more knowledge about uh, necrophilia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, man, Mark, uh, thanks again. Uh, it We've been needing to do something like this for a while, and I really appreciate you uh taking some time and checking out night of the demons again so that we could chit chat about it and uh with that said people will want to hear more from you so where can they do that uh yeah man Th- thanks for having me on this this was a great pick because yeah, i really like this movie and i kind of forgotten how much i like this movie so yeah this is this is a good one to finally get you and me in the, the 
the same digital room to talk about. Uh, so you can find me over on the Doing the Nasty podcast. That's at uh, tputzcast.com, uh, as in the podcast center, the stairscast.com. Uh, the, the, all, all of the other uh, side... I keep calling them sideshows, which makes it sound like a fucking circus or something, which <laughs> somebody agrees. Some of them kind of are. <laughs> somebody's biting the head off a chicken on one of these shows. <laughs> I'm over here swallowing swords and fucking shooting a cannon at somebody's guts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it's 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 all the, the 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 shows that come under the banner of the podcast under the stairs that aren't the podcast under the stairs. Uh, there's there's Opera Omnia, which you were on a whole bunch. You were on the David Fincher ones, right? Yeah, yeah. We're still working our way through that. I gotta uh, watch <laughs> Girl with the Dragon Tattoo here in a, in a day or two. Okay, well, you guys are yeah, you're you're well halfway through through his stuff. I, I did listen to the Fight Club and the Seven episodes a while back and i really enjoyed those because those are definitely two movies that were hugely influential to me as like a teenager back when they originally kind of came out so yeah definitely go check those out if you are are, are looking for some uh, post halloween non horror stuff to listen to podcasts about um but yeah the doing the nasties over there i think i think there's about 22 episodes of that out there's another one about to drop here pretty soon with two kind of it was a fun episode to record but they're two kind of boring movies that we talked about we did um jesus christ I, they're, they're so boring i've already forgot what the hell they're called um uh anyway the, the, the one that's coming up next is kind of one i'm a little bit more excited about we're, we're going to be talking about in some an insemnioid oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. which is a, it's a super bonkers alien ripoff from the 80s that's uh were really gross and uh, kind of deserved to be at least on the the lesser video nasty list and the other one that's on there is a movie that i had never heard of called the last hunter which i basically described as kind of like a fulci directed platoon it's i think the only war movie that's on at least the tier three video nasty list it's fucking insane it's got a lot of cast members that uh, made their way through like a lot of the Italian directors stuff. I can't remember who the director on this was. It wasn't anybody um, that I had. It was somebody that did a bunch of a bunch of Italian cannibal movies around the same time. But it, it's about Vietnam soldiers. It's super violent and fucked up. Both of those movies are on YouTube if you want to go check them out. And they're pretty okay prints on there. I think Insemnioid is also Amazon Prime. But uh, yeah, find me over there. Uh, I, I do all kinds of guest appearances. I, I, I show up on the Psycho Semantic cast pretty frequently. Uh, Darren and I just did that uh, kind of side project for Psycho Semantic that's all about comic book movies. Um, I think that's still just on the Legion Patreon, so definitely be sure and go. It's it's a couple bucks a month or whatever to subs- to subscribe to the Legion Patreon. You, you can find that Captain America show. We were we were trying really hard to get one done for October that would be kind of like a little more. We break away from the Marvel movies and do uh, something a little spookier, like a comic book movie. Uh, I don't know if we're gonna have time for that, so we'll probably be back in November with the, the next installment of that that show, which uh, it was a lot of fun to do because I invariably almost always end up on podcasts about like horror and exploitation stuff so it's kind of fun to do like a mainstream uh hollywood comic book movie that that has nothing to do with horror or any of that it's it's outside the box for me um i think that's about it yeah like keep it if if you follow me on twitter it's at the fancy mark i always talk about my uh podcast projects over there so yeah if you want to hear from more from me that's probably your best bet is just follow me on twitter and i will definitely let y'all know where i end up on the on the interwebs as far as podcasts so 
the fancy mark indeed uh all right buddy uh and i will be right back to close out the show thanks again man yeah man And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is my conversation with Mark Ball about Night of the Demons. Uh, again, I thought it was a great time, and, and thanks once more to Mark Ball for coming on and making that happen. Uh, so, a couple of uh, housekeeping notes here on the end of things. Uh, be sure, if you haven't already done so, please uh, subscribe to The Dark Parade on your podcast catcher of choice. Uh, also, if you happen to have an iTunes account, if you would... Be so kind as to leave us a rating and review over there on iTunes. That certainly helps uh, raise the profile of the show. And honestly, the best thing you can do is just share it around. Like, if you're enjoying the show, uh, post it on your feed or send it to a friend of yours that also likes horror movies. Anything uh, that you can do to uh, to help us elevate the show to its rightful place of power in the horror podcasting world. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for all the feedback. Please join me over on Meta or Facebook or whatever the hell they're calling it now. There's uh, the group, The Dark Parade, and that is where I tend to be the most active. You know, just commenting about different movies and sharing some Halloween decorations and all kinds of fun stuff. So uh, hop over there, say hi. You can also catch me on Twitter at uh, Dark Parade Pod. And, uh, and of course, uh, I encourage you to subscribe to Legion Podcast where you get this show and everything else I do along with a number of other great creators. So drop us a line over there as well. Um, that is it until next week when we will be talking about Night of the Demons 2 with very special guest Gary Hill. Have yourselves a great week. Uh, we'll see you next time on The Dark Parade.